couple things. We're going to co-speak today. This was kind of an impromptu thing later in the week because I was just like, man, why don't you just speak with me? Uh, I've, been, I've been going kind of a marathon here the last several weeks, and I was like, let's just change it up and do something fun. So we're going to do a little activation, a little chatting, a little preaching, uh, just kind of all mixed. And uh, so, but tonight, there's an amazing event. I know they talked about it on the video, but Josh Joins, who you saw the video feature last week, and uh, just have been part of our story here at Upper Room, just seeing him come to know Jesus, had never heard the name Jesus, had never been into a church building, and comes in at the beginning of the year, accepts Christ, is on this wild journey, and he's sharing his story and his testimony publicly tonight at Declare uh, at this big event. So 5 o'clock food truck, 6 o'clock service, it's to unite the bride. It's to glorify Jesus. So, so come out to Troy at Treasure Island. Also, starting the fourth Sunday of this month and the fourth Sunday of every month, it's September 27th, we're launching our Discipleship Connection platform launch thing. We don't know what to call it yet. We've not come up with a name. However, uh, you can submit names if you like because we don't have any ideas right now. But it's a way to get connected, also pour out. So here's the structure of it. It's from 6 to 7.30, the fourth Sunday of every month. We hear a lot. We want to get connected. We want to go deeper. We want to learn more about Holy Spirit or the supernatural. Or we need to go deeper in relationships, family, parenting. There's going to be, we're going to meet together uh, for about the first 20 to 30 minutes. And then we're going to do breakout, like revival groups or breakout discipleship groups uh, for the next hour. So 6 to 7.30, it'll be pretty structured within that time. Um, and then hopefully, like, I know there's going to be a group meeting on Holy Spirit and the supernatural and signs and wonders and praying healing. And I'm sure they're going to go out and do some field trips and some treasure hunts and different things outside of here. So this is we're creating a launching pad and a platform to connect you then to, like, send you as groups and just do those different things. Josh and Angie are going to lead a group on relationships and healthy relationships, family, um, different things, parenting, marriage. Um, and those, there's going to be five different areas. So fourth Sunday of every month. We've been in a series forever now. And we're going to continue this series. It's on family. It's the heart of who we are. It's the covenant of this house. And it's the culture that we operate in. Um, family's, family's tough, but family is worth it. Uh, there's a huge sacrifice in family, but there's a huge benefit. And there's a cost of covenant, but there's a reward. If you look at the, the Acts 2 church, if you look at the Israelites, and if you look out through the history of the Bible, it's family. The government of heaven is family. It's the functioning unit of love. So for here, it's more than just us coming in on Sunday, and then we'll see you next week. No, we, we want to grow closer. And that's the goal of relationships, is to grow close. Not create separation, but to grow in connection. And when we feel ourselves getting distant, all of a sudden, um, it, it takes a challenge for us to grow closer. And, uh, and it's, it takes confrontation. It takes working out offenses. The way the Bible says to you, like, actually go to each other. Um, it's beyond just a Facebook, like, post or behind a keyboard. No, this is real life, real stuff, and real connection. Like, like Corey was saying, there is such an intentional purpose of the ecclesia and the body of Christ, the believers, the church. The church is not a building. The church is not an organizational structure or business. The church is a body of people of who are not like, who are not all the same, but are like-minded, gathered in unity in Christ. Now, let me, let me just kind of rephrase that. Um, unity is not making sure everybody thinks, looks, acts, believes the same. It's actually bringing a diverse group of people together in a family setting and actually having unity even through disagreements, even through not maybe even seeing eye to eye on every theological point. Um, and it's, it's getting into the mess to make sure we have heart connection to do one thing, pursue Jesus, grow closer to him, and grow closer to each other. So in this process, we've started a video series, and today you get to see yours truly, Zach 
and Lauren. And uh, Zach loves public speaking. And matter of fact, he's going to end the service today up here with a microphone. <laughs> he's already getting red. All right, we're going to show you their video. Let's see how families touch their life. two boys, Cole and Caleb, and we've been attending Upper Room for almost two years now. So our favorite thing about Upper Room is the realness of the people that attend here. Just the preaching and teaching in real life situations and how to apply that um, to our everyday life. The thing I like most about the family at Upper Room is being surrounded by like-minded people that are willing to help lift you up no matter what mess you have going on. Just kind of loving people where they are. The most challenging part for us here at Upper Room is the activations. Stepping out of our comfort zone and being vulnerable. The greatest thing that we've seen transforms in our lives since starting to attend Upper Room is recognizing when the devil is trying to enter into our lives. So choosing the good instead of choosing the bad and just moving forward and being very intentional about our lives. So that's a little bit about us. We typically attend the 11 o'clock service with both of our sons. So if you see us around, come up and we'd love to chat with you. Have a good one. Isn't that amazing? And, and Zach could speak. He, he said, they made me answer some of those questions, and it took an extra half hour of filming uh, just to get those two questions answered. So, and we love you guys. It's been an honor having you here. And um, Nicole and I were, were talking. This has been our favorite part of the whole series, seeing um, others, how they've been impacted by, by up and with the culture and the, the, the environment that's been cultivated here. And so that's, that's fun. It's, uh, you, you tend to get healthy when you're in a healthy environment. Uh, can't force it. It's, it takes some ownership, like Josh worded it um, in his, one of his first weeks speaking on family was, you still got to hold your end of the rope. There's a rope there, and there's two ends, and you got to hold your end, and that's up to you. We can't force people to do this, and, um, but it's, it's worth it when, when we do, and we, we commit to this. Uh, so we've been in a, a last couple weeks, this is the third week of, uh, of basically the portion of family of being children, being sons and daughters. And so if you've missed out, the first two weeks went really, really deep in sonship and identity and being sons and daughters, children of God. As 1 John 3, 1 says, we are children of God. He lavishes us with love. We're children of God. That's what we are. Um, so this week, there's going to be a bit of a focus on slavery. So there's three realms, I believe, as we, as we walk, or three mentalities or mindsets. We can walk as sons and daughters, as children of God, orphans, or slaves. And we've really defined what each of those are over the course of the last two weeks, and we'll go just a little deeper in slavery today. Um, but really, there's those mindsets of an orphan that doesn't feel they belong, 
and a slave who thinks they have to strive and perform, but a child, a son or a daughter, knows they belong. They know who they are. They know whose they are, and they have security because they know when Jesus accepts them, no one can reject them. There's this principle. So, so walking in our true identity and walking uh, when we know who the Father is, all of a sudden we now know who we are. Uh, Josh, Josh sent me this after last week, and this was such a good word. Orphans believe they have to give up security in order to get freedom. Okay? Orphans believe they have to give up security to get freedom. Slaves believe they have to give up their freedom to get security. Okay, let me say that again. Slaves believe they have to give up their freedom to get security, but sons live knowing they have both. And that's such a key principle of, of knowing that we as children have both freedom and security. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a practical real-life example here. We, we, were, we talked about this at the last service, and then that's when Josh was sharing this with me, because we were talking about how I, in my personality, tend to be like a very check-off like check list type. And I feel like part of my personality is just, I feel so accomplished. I have these things to do. You tell me what to do. I will do it. I'll, tick, 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 you know, all of that. And, but knowing my identity in Christ, I'm trying to, like, in my mind, I'm trying to, like, figure that out. What is, so am I in slavery because I'm following these rules? Because, you know, we talk about the rules and the law and all this stuff. But where you have him, he's just, like, all about freedom. And he says what he wants, when he wants, does what he wants, wears what he wants, all these things. And I'm just sitting over here going, you know. And so this is the perfect way to explain this. Can I say it again? So basically, as Josh says, orphans believe they have to give up security in order to get freedom. So for me, if I give up, if I'm in the orphan mindset, I start to think, oh, if I don't, if I get off this list, if I get off of this comfort, this security, now I, I don't have freedom anymore. And I'm not feeling free. That's an orphan mindset. But if we're in the slavery mindset, then... Why are you touching me with that? Because this is how we're different. Get because, off me. <laughs> because if, he if he feels like he has to give up all of his freedom, like if we walk into a school or a place where somebody might just tell him what they need to do and he has to wear the mask. You guys have heard him talk about this. It, if, I, if he didn't understand his identity he would land on that whole idea of slaves, thinking, I have to give up my freedom to get my security, right? And so it's this whole, like, thing, but the final point is sons live knowing that we have both. So I get that when I give, go off my checklist, it's okay, it's fine. And then he has to realize that when he walks into a place and honors and goes low and submits to what's happening and gives up a little freedom— there's still security in that and that's so i just want to share that because that's like a practical i like version of what you're saying it is but i'm a son i don't have to give up either okay Hello, yeah i get super weird when i go into schools or different things different settings um especially like if there's an environment where they think they can like uh control my kids and do things better than me anyway i get super weird i start to get a little rebellious so, and, and it comes from, and I think here's, here's a little history before we get into just slavery. I, the end of my mom's life, I began to ask her a lot of questions. And, and I, she came um, out of Catholicism. Uh, she was raised Catholic, went to a Catholic school. And, um, and she was talking to me about the freedom she experienced 
when she stepped out of what the traditions in which she was raised in and prayed for herself. She didn't just rely on a priest to quote scriptures, but she had a personal relationship with Jesus. And when she, she, she um, was walked in that, there was such freedom. She felt oppressed, oppressed before she discovered that, that personal relationship with Jesus. Then again, um, she meets my dad, and they get involved in a denomination that has a lot of rules, a lot of, lot of laws, a lot of, uh, at times, if not with the right heart or root, would be legalism. And, and then, so all of a sudden, one day, she decided, and it was a, a religion where they don't believe in cutting hair, and she decided, I'm going to cut my hair. I'm going to wear pants. Like, and, and my dad comes home from work. This had happened, and she was concerned. And she, what she told me was she felt like she was being controlled and oppressed again. Maybe that's where I get it from. So she didn't want to be controlled again. She said, I had walked down that road. I lived that life. I didn't want that. But she was concerned that she wasn't going to be able to feel Holy Spirit and that it would be all these things, right? And then all of a sudden, she, she found freedom. So me knowing that and walking through some of those later years of what happened after the aftermath of some of this, I, I decided I would never get controlled. I wasn't going to be a Christian again. I wasn't even going to step foot in a church. Like at 12, 13 years old, I make this conscious decision. So with that in the back of my head, all of a sudden, I discover the Father's heart. So I was raised in a system of rules, saved in, you know, raised in a system that was more about um, how to look, what to do, what not to do, sin management, you know, things like that. Well, those things, none of those are wrong. None of those are bad. If it's personal conviction, none of that's wrong if it's rooted and grounded in love. The, the problem is it becomes a rule when it's not out of love and it's not out of the Holy Spirit's conviction and it's just about tradition and it's just about following rules and guidelines. I, I, the Bible even talks about I'd rather you be warm, I mean, I'd rather you be hot or cold than lukewarm. And I think sometimes we're lukewarm when we're just going through motions just because we've always done it that way. So, so here's what happens. Then I found the Father's heart, and I found grace. And I, I for the first time in my, like, low 20s, just when I, a couple years after getting saved, I was like, I went back to what I knew, and I knew rules and control, and, and I knew that. That was comfortable. Then all of a sudden, I found the Father's heart a couple years into this, and I found grace. And I went way over here to hyper grace, and I can do anything, and I can do whatever I want because God's still going to love me, and there's grace. The problem with either one of those directions is it's not in love. The Bible says, if you love me, then you obey my commands. That's what changes the mentality and the mindset from orphans and slaves and legalism to hyper graces is love. And God is love. And when everything is rooted and everything's from the heart of love, all of a sudden it's not rules. It's not what I have to do. I don't have to go to church. I love the Lord. I love his people. And I get to go to church. I get to serve. I get to, to serve in ministries. I get to be righteous. I get to. There's this different mindset of a son and a daughter who's rooted and grounded in love versus somebody who's not. And that can go either direction. So I just wanted to touch on that for a minute. Anything in that? Mm, yeah. My comment was the have to versus you get to. I want to just, I'm going to say it again. So if you walk in or if you wake up on Sunday and you're like, I have to go to church today, don't even show up. Because your heart's not right. Okay? It's just not. Now, sometimes we're in a bad mood and we're like, I have to go to church. But really in your heart, you like, you know that you get to. Cause like, so then on that day, just don't come. But what I'm saying is this idea, this mindset of, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do that, that says, when you say that, that's basically saying, somebody's making me do this, and so that's why I'm doing it, versus, 
wow, I have this opportunity in front of me, and so I, I get to choose that I want to do that. And so that everything changes when you shift that in your heart. So I went into this week, like, really wanting to press in just a little deeper in slavery. And I, I found this article. I was just researching slavery, and uh, especially American slavery, and, and just the industry. And there's still slavery going on, and I, I think I do an injustice by not at least touching on. There is still human and sex trafficking going on. There is modern-day slavery and child labor slavery. There is still legit slavery going on, and it's an injustice. And we need to pray. We need to engage. We need to financially support ministries freeing people from modern-day slavery, uh, which is horrific. And there's more people in sex trafficking right now than all of American history slavery uh, with Africans that were in slavery, all of history. There's more now. There's around 11 million right now actively in that. In all of American history, there was about 1 million African slaves. It's an injustice. So, so we need to be mindful that this is still going on. But I found this article regarding um, African uh, slavery in America and the, how, how this was all going down. And what's crazy is I just started getting these revelations. I was kind of researching, like, mindsets. And because and, I knew there's separation. There's striving. There's performing. It's about law. It's about me having to compete for my place at the table. And literally, my value, my price tag on me, and my value goes up in my security, and I'll have a better role at a different house, estate, whatever it might be, if my value's up. So there's always this competition of wanting to perform and be better than the rest. Otherwise, because the rest would sometimes get killed, beat, put in, you know, all these different things, even confinement. These are the horrific stories of slavery and the injustices that have happened in our history, okay? And, uh, and it's real. So, so I started researching this, and, and the reality is, like, there's, there's two realms, and, and many people that were in those horrific situations would rebel, revolt, and try to escape. And if they were caught, they'd either get publicly punished, beat with whips, or, or even hung or, or executed. And it was just terrible, right? And then there was others that, that weren't as bad. There was, there was more um, family-oriented, but there was still the separation. There was still different living quarters or living situations. And, and now those, oftentimes in those situations, the people would even vouch for their masters or their owners or whatever because they felt a, a sense of security. They felt a sense of security, so they would stay, even when they were emancipated and they were, they were freed, they would stay because they were comfortable and they knew where, where housing and safety and food was coming from. And that is so wrong that they were so controlled and so manipulated, but that was a comfort area. And if you look at the Israelites coming out of Egypt, as I read last week, so many times they, they, they were getting so upset with Moses, and they say, listen, if we just stayed in Egypt, we, you know, what did you bring us out here in the wilderness to murder us and us just die? At least we, we knew where we were sleeping and where food was coming from in slavery. We'd rather be in captivity in that. So here's, here's kind of the revelation I got from all of this is, is, first off, it depends, like, the master or the owners controlled the situation of how bad it was. Our God is not a master or just a judge, okay? He's, he's not an owner of people. He's a father of children. If he didn't want family in the, that context and this love um, environment and this love impartation and the lavishing us with love, he wouldn't have us call him father in the Lord's Prayer, it's this dynamic of love. He's not a, a master. He's not a taskmaster. He's not, he's not sl a slave owner. He is a father of children. So, so here's the deal. When, often when we view the Lord as how we're going to view ourselves, 
And the greater revelation that we have of the Father as a friend and the 900 and some other natures and titles of God, the difference we're going to view Him and the different mindset we're going to have because the different we're going to view ourselves. So this is not just a thing to where uh, we are slaves or we are orphans. It's neither. We, we serve a Father who is the Prince of Peace, who created us for His pleasure, who created us out of love who wants relationship with us, who wants intimacy with us, who loves us and adores us and, and lavishes us with love. And that's the difference. And, and so in this slave thinking, we don't have to strive or perform or try to be better than the next person to earn our spot in the kingdom or even in the church or, or whatever. Like, we are his beloved. You belong. You are loved. And, and you don't have to compete, strive, perform, or go through laws or motions or, or just for the sake of tradition or religion because you've always done it. Like, that's not. You're, you're free. But there's this temptation that, that we're going to basically stay where it's, where it's comfortable because it's, 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 it's scary to step out of that boat and try to walk on water. It's scary to step out of captivity where we know everything's provided in that security into freedom because freedom is risky. We may fail in the risk of freedom, but I would rather uh, fail in freedom than die in captivity. So let me, let me go into scripture here and we'll, we'll make this legal and then we'll chat and do some fun activation here. John 8, 31 through 38. This is the scripture. Jared uh, sent this to me uh, last week and it's just a really fitting uh, context because I think we also need to know the history and, and some of what the Lord is calling us to and what he's called us from. So John 8, 31 says this, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? So Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. Now, that's, that's the key verse today. Verse 35. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. Verse 36. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence. You are doing what, what you have heard from your father. Now, here's the thing. This is a group of people that are in sin. These are a group of people that are in tradition. And these are a group of people that aren't living out who even their father Abraham was, who he was. So Jesus is calling these people out. Now, what's interesting is this goes back to Adam and Eve. It goes back all the way to Genesis and where, this, the, like I mentioned last week, the fall to sin. And what happened was sin separates us from relationship with the father. Now, let me clarify that. This is a, a father's heart message. God never stops loving you. The Bible says nothing can separate you from his love. Nothing. No depth, no height, no principality. Nothing. Nothing can separate you from the love of the father. Nothing. No sin, no terrible things you've done, no matter how long you were there. Nothing can. But here's the deal. Our sin creates that distance like we were talking earlier. Our goal in relationship is connection. And when I'm in connection, I'm intentionally trying to love Nicole and fill her love tank, right? Her love bank up, and because and, and, she's classy, right? So 
I'm trying to fill that love tank up and I'm making these deposits and I'm, in, I'm being intentional about that to create connection. And when I feel disconnection, we have to say, okay, we need a date. We need time together. Hey, we need some couch time or talk time. Or, you know, hey, let's, you want to do a lunch or a coffee for your lunch period today. There, these are things we do to build that connection. It's the same thing in any relationship with all of us. But here's what sin does. Sin, and, and just like anything in our lives, in the church, and in your relationships, kids, whatever, sin, distraction, busyness, mindset, all these things create disconnection. So when I'm in sin, I'm actually creating a disconnection in the intimate relationship with the Father based on me pulling back just a little bit. Now, now, he's never stopped pursuing you. He's never stopped loving you. He's never stopped forgiving you and giving you mercy and grace that we don't deserve. So, but here's the deal. Jesus was sent to the earth, though, to reconcile us back to the Father. So sin had separated us from the Father. There was craziness going on in the world, and there was this disconnect, and they needed a Savior to redeem and reconcile back to the Father, and it wasn't going to be law anymore. It wasn't going to be works anymore. It wasn't going to be, you know, the day of atonement in the holiest of holies. It was now you are going to be free sons and daughters because a son came to set us free and free will be. Here's the thing. So then he went to the cross. He was crucified and resurrected for all of us to be reconciled back to the Father as children. That's the story. Now, here's the thing, though. We want to separate ourselves, and we want to get back into the thinking that we were never called to live in in the first place. God in the garden says, you know, where are you? What are you doing, Adam and Eve? What, what are you thinking? Where's your heart? He's calling us back into this intimate place, and he's already redeemed it. He's already reconciled it, and it happened on the cross. So as we get into this, a, a, sin, a slave to sin doesn't belong in the family, but a son who belongs forever. I, Nicole has a quote from uh, Healing the Orphan Spirit by Leif Hetland, and uh, she, we were kind of processing this book. Even though they knew God, they did not seek intimacy, but instead built a religion around him. And this is talking about the Pharisees, the ones who were always with Jesus and knew, they knew so much about him. They had all the answers to all the things and they knew everything, but the problem was they did not know him intimately. They did not know his heart. And that is the only way we could sit up here and tell you all this information and all of this stuff, and we could give you all the tools, and that will be good. But, but if you don't have the heart connection, the intimacy, I, just start somewhere to figure that out. Then from that place is then where all of this stuff that we're talking about then can flourish because now you have that heart, but now you take the tools and all of this information, and you put those together, and then that's that's when the breakthrough comes. That's when you begin to to operate as a, a son or a daughter. Yeah. What, what's the other quote that you had? The difference between a son and an orphan or a slave. Well, the one I read earlier was just, and it goes with the intimacy. It says, I will not live on the outskirts of your house, but I will boldly and with confidence approach your throne. I am seated with you in heavenly places. I will live from you, not for you. I will live out of a place of sonship. And it just goes with what I said. You know, the, the Pharisees, they were just trying to live for him. Like, they were trying to just do all the things. But the problem was they weren't living from him because they didn't know him. And the difference between the two is presence. 
of presence. When we're walking in presence, when we're living from and with and in presence, then all of a sudden our mindset and our thinking changes. Um, so here, we're going to give you some thinking things, okay? How, we've done this every week. How a slave thinks versus how a son or a daughter thinks, okay? So a slave thinks it's easier for others to tell me what to do. I'd rather be a captive and taken care of than free and responsible. It's all about rules. The better I am, the more others and God will love, approve, and accept me. I just need to strive more. And the last one I put is, I just need to be perfect. Did you have any others? All right, so a son or a daughter thinks more like this. I cannot be separated from the love of God. I am free. I belong. I am his beloved. I am worthy. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a chosen generation. I'm holy. I'm set apart. I am loved. I am free. That's, that's the difference of mindset there. You don't have to strive. You don't have to compete. You belong. You automatically belong. You've already passed the test. So, um, did you have anything else? Yeah, I was yeah. going to just say one thing. Um, earlier when we did the question, the text question, Steve Justice sent us a question that really, it was a great question. He was talking about how we are speaking of slavery and what we're not going to be slaves any longer, right? But he said, you know, but Paul talks about we are slaves to Christ. So he's like, so, you know, how do you explain this? And so then we got to talking about it after service, and I just loved what he said. It was like, it, it goes along with what he's saying right now. It's like, when, when we're operating in that slave mindset and we're not slaves to Christ, everything comes from, I have to do more, I have to be better, I have to do better than that, I have to be perfect, I, I, I. It's all about me. But then when we're slaves to Christ, it's all about him. I do this because I love him. I do this because he's asked me to. I do this because it pleases my father. And so that's, that's being slaves to Christ out of the love. That's the root, like he's saying, rooted and grounded in love. So we're doing those things. We're enslaved to him, but it's from a position of love. Not, not because it's all about us and we have to figure out how we can do this and all this stuff. So presence changes perspective and problems, okay? And it changes your perspective on problems. Presence. In his presence, problems disappear because we have trust, we have faith, we know God's going to work it out, etc. So there, we feel there's like two ways in like walking this out. The first is impartation. The first is, is literally Holy Spirit, the Father's love, just lavishing you through an encounter, through an impartation, and an infilling of him in you. And all of a sudden we view him as a father, and, and there's these things that shift our mind. So for me, that came almost 14 years ago, roughly, and, and basically I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, had this phenomenal experience, and received the Father's love. And all of a sudden I was rewired, but then I had to walk it out. So today we're, we're about to do an, an activation and, and kind of do some things and prompt you of now what are the practical things to walk that out. Let, let, me, let me give you uh, kind of a picture of this. I want to grow a garden, okay? Two things have to happen. I have to give nourishment and actually give things to the plants to make them grow and then keep the bad things and the weeds and the insects and, and the disease out, okay? Those two things have to happen. So when an addict is, I've helped a lot of addicts, and I, I would always tell them, you got to weed your garden. you got to, and sometimes they'll say, change your area code, move, change your zip code, whatever. you got to get out of the environment. So there's one thing once you're delivered, and I believe that. I believe in the deliverance of bad mindsets, of addiction, of lifestyle sins. Totally believe in the, the immediate, instant deliverance. 
that impact of Holy Spirit that we can't do through education or counseling. Oftentimes it's just, boom, it's deliverance, it's instant, there's a miracle, um, and it's amazing. But then you have to walk it out. So an addict gets freed, totally delivered of an addiction. Well, then there's things that we would help them do to remove numbers from their phones, to, to remove themselves, even at times, from people that they loved, cared about, but were terrible influences until they're strong enough as they walk this out. So we call those practical ways to walk out your freedom or practical ways to walk out your deliverance, now practical ways to walk as a son or a daughter. So we believe this, and because we're talking about it for three weeks, but we have people sitting in here saying, How? How? Okay, I realize I've recognized some of my thinking, my thought patterns, my mindset might relate to an orphan or a slave or at times both or, you know. So now how do I practically walk that out? We'd love you to engage now and be a part of, of how have you or what would be your suggestions to practically walk this out. So what we're going to do is we've already prayed impartation the last two weeks, the spirit of adoption. We'll end with that again, just in case you weren't here. Uh, so we believe that's the number one way. But with the people around you, and if you feel safe, you know, make sure your mask are on. If you don't feel safe at all being right now, because we're going to get in some small groups of the people around you, um, we're going to ask you, you, you're free to leave. There's no condemnation. Uh, if you don't feel safe being in some small groups right now, um, you can f be free, walk away. There's no um, condemnation or guilt. So but what we're going to have you do is process one question. You're providing the answers to this question, and you're going to text them as a small group to 506-0011. And what it is, what are the practical ways to walk as a son or a daughter instead of or versus a slave or orphan? So what are ways that you can do it? And uh, so break up into groups of four, six, or whoever's around you. Um, and if you feel safe, maybe who you came with. And, uh, and just get, get into small groups. We're going to give you about three minutes to four minutes to process this. Send us your answers, and then you're going to want to read them quickly uh, to everybody. So uh, go now. Small groups. How can you practically walk out sonship, being a son or a daughter? This is the how-to, the practical. watching online or you're watching from home right now, um, we'd love to hear from you as well. So just in your own way, just, just process that. How do you walk freely in a practical way? What are things that keep you as a free son or a daughter instead of walking as a slave or an orphan or getting into that mindset? So feel free, text your numbers in right now to 937-506-0011 and we'll read those as well. So just engage with us for a moment here. You guys have about two more minutes. About two more minutes and then send your texts.
right, text in those answers. Just text us a couple, and we're going to share with everybody. So those will get forwarded to us right now. This is our way to encourage and help others. All right, so text those in. Give you just a brief moment. While you're doing that, we're going to read others to you. Okay. All right, we will read these now. Three, two, one. Cheryl, stop talking. <laughs> She's my sister, so I can tease her. Oh. Well, Lord, expedite it, please. Okay, um, so let's read through these. Uh, let's see here. Talk to him humbly, be totally vulnerable, and uh, thank him. Thank Jesus. Uh, consciously and deliberately read the word, pray, and fellowship. Meet with others that are going after the same thing. That's great. Lean into the Lord to fix your heart for you. We're going to do every other. Um. I think this is where he's at. First, first, changing the questions. Not how do I walk it out, but how does it look to be a son or daughter? Connect into and focus into the main vine of Christ, not practically taking steps, but digging into relationship. The fall forward concept. It's okay to fall, but changing the mindset from when you fall. You start making a change in your brain, which eventually goes into a lifestyle. That's good. I asked Papa Jack once, what's the key, to, the key to the kingdom? Key to the success in the kingdom. And he says, get up every time you get knocked down because you're going to get knocked down. It's really good. Okay. Renewing our mind by reading God's word, surround ourselves in community that is moving in the direction of sonship, people who will champion you on, a community that will hold you accountable to when you demonstrate unhealthy thinking and habits. Oh, this is one. Post-it notes with truth and scripture around the house. That's Align with Jesus through worship and prayer and receive his kingdom assignment for you versus any assignments you put on yourself or receive from the world. Uh, one of the things I want to add to that is get rid of the measuring tape or the measuring stick that God never gave you. Sever soul ties. Being who you are with love, not worrying about how others think or feel about you. Everyone has a responsibility, accountability, freedom to maintain the tension and relationship with other Christians in God as a son. As an orphan, you strive and don't trust in those relationships. Declarations of truth every day. I am a child of God. I am the righteousness of Christ, uh, of God through Christ. Refocus our eyes on Christ for myself, situation or problems. It's a total choice. Choice each day who you are. If you are a child of God, start each day by choosing Him, by reading the Bible and praying. Um, where are you so we can get on the same page? I just read this one. I'm kind of like all over the place. How are we going to know, know who's I don't know. Just keep going. <laughs> well, because he started it. He was kind of, I didn't know where he was reading from. So then I was just like, okay, I guess we're just going wherever. All right. If we repeat some, we're sorry. Um, one, scripture. Two, listen to Holy Spirit. Three, grace. 
four, ask yourself what the lie in this is and what is the truth, God's word, when having a nagging thought. Knowing who you are listening to. That's so good. Listen to the voice of God and not others. Think of God as a loving father. Filtering all you do through God's word, his priorities. Okay, let's see if there's any more up top. Here's one. Be transparent with God and the right people. Did you read this one? Renewing our mind by reading God's... Yes, I did. Okay. All right. Um, there's a really long one. Sorry, it's too long to read. Love you, James, but it's way too long. <laughs> I don't have time to proof it to make sure you didn't put something about poop in there or something. <laughs> no guilt or shame, but joy. Uh, finding the good in all things and people, and you know not being negative, uh, and, but be positive. Loving people where they are. I don't know if you read that or not, but that was good. Okay, last couple. We'll see if any new ones came in. Um, that's some good practical tips. We'll try to post some of these on the social medias, and uh, especially the Upper Room Facebook group. So we'll try to get those out there and, and put some of these on there. And, and engage. This is a good way to encourage one another and say practical tips. You've got to understand, like, I've been walking and having a hunger for identity for over a decade now. And I still find myself at times... Um, getting checked or, or, or realizing I'm orphan thinking in this or I'm slave thinking in this and getting caught up in that. So this even helps me. And uh, to realize that there's some people in here, this is the first time they've ever heard some of this. This is the first time. So the ways that we can help and encourage one another and, 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 and apply this. And, and I love the distinguishment between truth and lies. What God says about you versus what the enemy says and what God's truth is about you versus anybody else. And that's what we do. We have to distinguish and listen to the Lord and what His truths are and, and really digest His Word and His truths and, and rest in that. So anyway, why don't you stand up and we'll pray for you. We know it went a little long today, so hopefully you got more out of it today than normal then. Got more bang for your buck today. All right. You want to pray? You want to do this? <laughs> Uh, I shouldn't have made that a choice. Okay, Lord, we just thank you so much. Uh, matter of fact, just, just put your hands out in front of you uh, like you're receiving a gift. The Bible, the, 1 John 3, 1 says he'll lavish you with love. I just believe he's going to lavish you with love. He's going to give you impartation. He's going to give you deliverance from, from stinking thinking, all right? And uh, you can think like a son or a daughter. So just hold your hands out. Lord, I thank you for your family. I thank you that, the, that we are your children. These are your children, not our people. That we don't control, manipulate, or, um, or tell how to feel, what to feel. But Lord, you come right now with the spirit of impartation. Lord, with the spirit of adoption, impartation with your heart, the Father's heart. Lord, lavish us with your love, with your identity in us. Let us see you for who you truly are and all the amazing natures and, and, and who you are, Lord, so that we can see ourselves in that. Lord, just, just give us encounters this week. Awaken us through the night, Lord, just, just with intimate, intimacy with you, Jesus. Lord, let us dream about you. Let us fix our thoughts, our, our affections, and our adoration to you, Father. Lord, let us see you as Father, not Master or Taskmaster, Lord. Let us see you as Father and friend and, and lover and companion. Lord, we thank you, Jesus. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
Hey, bless you guys. Have an amazing week. Enjoy your naps today before you go to Declare tonight.